Support for this podcast comes from Simply Faster. Simply Faster provides in-depth articles covering speed training, sport science, and the use of technology in sport. Authored by high school, collegiate, and professional track and field and strength and conditioning coaches. Make sure to check them out at simplyfaster.com. Welcome to episode 97 of the Historic Performance Podcast featuring Dave Hamilton, Assistant Athletic Director for Applied Health and Performance Science at Penn State University. This week's episode was originally going to feature John Kiley. However, due to a scheduling conflict, that interview will now air next Wednesday, June 21st. Today, behind the scenes of Penn State's new high-performance initiative, led by 38-year-old Dave Hamilton. Dave's 15-year career in sports science and strength and conditioning has spanned the globe. He has lived in Qatar, Hong Kong, Canada, the United Kingdom, and the United States. During that time, he has worked for premier institutions, including the English Institute of Sport and the Aspire Academy for Sports Excellence. His latest position as Assistant Athletic Director for Applied Health and Performance Science, finds him heading the high-performance department and overseeing the implementation of high-performance thinking for all 31 Division I sport teams at Penn State University. His responsibilities include oversee all 31 teams and 800 student-athletes with regards to optimizing student-athlete health and well-being, ultimately kind of sustaining success from a performance standpoint. So it's a support role with regards to uh, service providers, so strength conditioning, medical, etc. Um, and there's also the support of the kind of the coaches as well with regards to what they're trying to do within their programs. And it's kind of remit is really more around sports science, supporting those sports with sports science and high performance thinking, so to speak. So how are they approaching their sports and can we be more strategic in the way that we look at performance? In today's conversation, we cover narrative communication, what Penn State is trying to achieve with their high performance initiative, and the pillars of the high performance structure at Penn State. All of that and much more on today's Historic Performance Podcast. Welcome back to the Historic Performance Podcast. Today, I'd like to extend a warm welcome to Dave Hamilton for joining me on the podcast. He is the Assistant Athletic Director for Applied Health and Performance Science at Penn State University. Dave, how are you? I'm very good. How are things, James? I'm doing really well here. Uh, it's been a little bit warm the past couple of days. I don't know how it's been by you in Pennsylvania. Well, it's Pennsylvania. It's always warm here, isn't it? <laughs> At least it is compared to the UK. That That is very true. From my time uh, traveling throughout the UK, I can attest to that. Dave, before we dive into today's conversation, I think it might be beneficial to give a bit of background about Penn State University and how many Division One sport teams they have. Yeah, sure. So there's, there's 31 teams on campus. Like I said, there's 800 student athletes. It's a university with a big kind of legacy with regards to its sporting history got successful programs all around the sports with regards to football the hockey program recently um soccer programs field hockey lacrosse they're all kind of doing well and then currently with regards to the Lears cup and director's cup this year has been a, a good year placing them fairly high on that kind of chart of success i guess if that's how you kind of wanted to phrase it 
Before we move on to discussing how you provide support to 31 varsity teams, which sounds a bit daunting. Correct. It would be good to get a framework from about your philosophy. And I was reading an article that was written by a uh, Penn State student. And within that article, it described your philosophy as performance equals potential minus interference. I was hoping you could elaborate upon that statement. Yeah, sure. So ultimately, kind of when it comes to performance, we're talking about winning, right? So, and and that's not my equation either. I remember reading a, a book a while back and I saw that and I kind of thought, you know, conceptually what they're saying, although it doesn't fit in this particular realm that I'm in um, at the time, I did kind of have some similarities in what it was trying to get across. So the potential piece is about understanding that technically tactically, physically, there's potential within every aspect of our athletes and the sport they're in. So what you're trying to do there is deconstruct the sport, deconstruct the athlete with regards to where they're at, and then identify from that their potential, where are the opportunities to make them better in certain in certain areas. And then the interference piece is all the other stuff that goes on with regards to loading in the program, holistically what's going on with other stresses within their life, and you basically want to understand what are these? How can we quantify these stresses um, and better understand them? And I guess it's kind of based on two facts. So performance equals potential minus interference. We know that fact one, if we develop better athletes, the chance of them being successful increases. We also know that the environment they're in is either going to negatively or positively influence the rate of their physical development. So if we can somehow understand these two areas, well, now we're in a real kind of situation to, to influence performance outcome, right? So that, that's kind of where the, the philosophy sits. It's really around exactly those things, kind of deconstructing the sport, deconstructing the athlete and understanding where they're at, and then identifying what are the things are in their life that potentially impact their ability to develop. Now, within your role, you, you support the coaches, the support staff, the student athletes for 31 teams, um, as we have mentioned. How does that work organizationally? You have 31 teams that you need to support. As I mentioned, that sounds extremely daunting from from my end. Um, So how do you interact with those 31 staff to ensure that you're providing the service that they need? Yeah, that that was kind of a common theme of, of questions when I came in here myself. So it is daunting. There is a, a lot of people to try to try and support. But I kind of took the approach that this was a position developed by the coaches here. So they must have had an idea of what they were trying to achieve through this position. So for, the first thing I did when I came in here is I wanted to be externally focused and understand from the coaches themselves and the support staff, what are they expecting from this position? That was kind of step one. Um, I then really wanted to get to the next place where I want to work out year one almost needs to be performance solution focused. Where are their opportunities in the sports and what they're currently doing to have an impact? What can we do to kind of block the holes in that bucket to stop it from leaking or, or, or whatever kind of analogy you want to use? But where's the low hanging fruit? What can I address immediately and kind of get things back on track? Um, so that was kind of the focus initially. The more and more I kind of got embedded within different sports and had more conversations, 
um, it was clear that there was some common themes and trends that needed to be addressed before we could really talk about the high performance piece per se. That's kind of where it was. I had a great opportunity to always present, and it was kind of a big part of me coming in, the opportunity to present to the, the coaches themselves, an opportunity to present to strength conditioning, an, op- an opportunity to present to medical. And in those presentations, I'm able to use a philosophical understanding of what are we talking about when it comes to high performance in Penn State. Um, We're not trying to take one model and squeeze it into here and hope that it fits. I think the important thing that the approach is trying to take is it's it's going to be organic. We've got to work out what's, what's important for Penn State for Penn State to be successful. But by getting all those different groups within a room at different points, I was at least able to start and start for them to understand the same verbiage, the same language around what we're talking about. And so now when they have conversations, at least we're all talking about the same thing when we refer to whatever it may be. Um, so that was kind of an important piece. So I guess to kind of summarize, come in, understand what people wanted from the position. Then there was the opportunity to work within the sports and kind of embed myself a little bit more with those sports in season or out of season and work out where are they currently finding there's some bottlenecks in their program and how could I help kind of expedite a performance change for them and then the next step is really more strategic around right we all have common language where's the common themes here what do we actually need to put in place to develop this foundation of high performance that we then want to move on from from the time that you've arrived to this point uh, you mentioned that there's common needs and trends that you noticed that need to be addressed even before you start talking about high performance what were those common needs and trends um, throughout the variety of sports that you work with um, a lot of it is is kind of a resourcing thing so it's trying to just be more economical with the way we use our time um, it's a lot of kind of different staff members will, su- will support a number of, of teams there's that piece there's a lot of great knowledge base here but people are often head down getting their job done, that we're not able to disseminate or share knowledge as well as we would hope. And that's common in any organization. Some of the common themes were, how can we get people in a room more often to basically discuss their sport, discuss their athletes and share an understanding? Um, So that was kind of a big stage, is trying to get like the service providers in a room with the coaches and really just get an element of conversation going. And that was that that's an important step. Outside of that, there was some pieces around what are the almost the non-negotiables that we should have in place within our programs? What are the things that, yes, you can do your job as a nutritionist, a strength conditioning coach, an athletic trainer, but what are the things that we're saying are non-negotiable from a high performance standpoint or from Penn State's DNA or the, or the way we want to set ourselves. And that's kind of where, from a strategic standpoint, we're probably at right now. From a strategic standpoint, you're talking about not bringing a high-performance model that's worked elsewhere and then trying to institute it at Penn State, but trying to grow organically based on the organizational structure and infrastructure that's already in place at Penn State. Um, so what is the way that you're trying to create a high performance structure at Penn State, what are going to be the key cornerstones of it? Yeah, good question. So the way I've kind of the the language or the the commonality I'm trying to get to people to understand is, is what does it take to win? 
So I'd kind of say that it's based on three things in my experience. Number one, you're going to want your best athletes available to play. If they're not available to play, the chances of you being successful and winning obviously diminish slightly, right? If not significantly. So if we're saying we need our best athletes available to play, then surely we've got to have a very good screening baseline assessment type program in place. So we know what are the red flags for our sport? Where's this athlete? Are they vulnerable to certain things or not? Do they come in with issues? Do they not? But we need to understand from a screening standpoint, what's the potential issues and can we mitigate the chance of it rearing its head at some point? So that's that's having athletes available, best athletes available. That's one. The second piece would be you have your best athlete. Now you have to develop them to their full potential during their tenure at Penn State. So now we're talking about having a physical development program in place that is individualized for the sport. Okay, we want to make sure that whatever we're developing within our athlete, it's applicable to being successful within that sport. It's not just necessarily a generic development of an athlete as opposed to I'm making you a better swimmer, I'm going to make you a better lacrosse player, etc. So we need a good development program. And a big part of that would be making sure that we benchmark our athletes. Where are they now and where are we saying they need to get to in order to be successful for us? So there's kind of there's two. And then the third piece would be I've got my best athlete. I've made them into the best athlete they can be. Now I need to make sure when they rock up on game day or match day or event day that they are fresh. Because if they carry any fatigue into that event, again, the chances of them being successful diminish. So then we're really talking about what can we do to manage our athletes, to understand our athletes. Because I want to make sure they arrive at a competitive peak in a predictable way, right? I don't want to kind of guess. So therefore, when I'm talking about athletes playing fresh, we've got to manage these athletes. We need to develop an understanding around how much work do they do and what's the impact of that work on their ability to perform. So that's the kind of language that we talk about when what does it take to sustain success? What are we currently doing? Because now all of a sudden what we've potentially identified is there's, there are some non-negotiables that we need to have in place as the foundation, the pillars, as you said, of kind of this high performance model. And I also want to touch upon something that you've mentioned throughout the podcast, which is creating a common language across all sports. How have you gone about creating a common language with the support staff and the coaches and the other departments uh, within Penn State? Yeah, so that, that hasn't been too complicated at all. Like I said, initially it's about presenting to people and telling a story, right? So a lot of, a lot of the times when I'm trying to present to a group or, or explain a concept, I think it's really useful to, to tell a story um, since it's the narrative of learning and passing on information that, that we've used in historically, right, as a, as a, as a species. So... Um, that was something that I kind of picked up from Scott Draw, who I worked with when he was when I was in the UK. He he was for worked for UK Sport Research and Innovation, um, and he was always adamant to me that you always need to tell a story, Dave. And and I kind of ever since then I've done it in everything I do, whether it's doing a report, whether it's doing a presentation, whether it's trying to get people to take on information. I always try and do it in a way where it's factual, based on on real life information. Uh, longitudinal data rather than somebody else's research what's actually been proven over time 
And so, like I said, so initially it's around kind of presenting. And then the other piece is just the daily interaction with coaches. The more you kind of meet with them, like I say, do the the service providers meetings and be in that environment and you're exposed to all these people, you can, again, just kind of regurgitate and use the same kind of terms because it's not a lot of terms. It's just trying to get people on the same page with regards to what is best practice um, and are we doing it and can we just kind of challenge each other in a good way to, you know, to step outside of the status quo of our programs and really kind of move forward. Now I, I want to go back to something that you mentioned when you were discussing your philosophy, and that was deconstructing the sport and then making sure that you're making them better in certain areas. You're now working with 31 teams and some of these sports, I am sure you've probably have not been exposed to in your career. So how do you determine the way that, how do you deconstruct those sports? And then what are you trying to look at both from a distribution of work and the key attributes needed to be a high performer within those individual sports? Yeah, so that's kind of, that's probably more the next step and where we're going. But conceptually, what it's about is asking the questions around kind of what is it, what does it take to win? What does it take to be successful? What does the world best look like? And where are we? So really, this again, this is something that working at the English Institute of Sport was something that we would do to ensure that we really understand our sport like do do we get what it really takes to be successful or are we just kind of head down google street getting on with stuff and we're not really looking at the bigger picture here so it's really asking questions around why do we do do this you know you've got to challenge the status quo if we do what everyone else is doing where's the edge there we're just doing what everyone else does so now the chance of us coming now the chance of us being successful really just comes down to having a good recruiting class versus what can we do? Can we be smart in the way we train, in the way that we prepare our athletes, in the way that we recruit, in the way that we recover? Can we maximize every opportunity to squeeze out the potential within our athletes? And so the the piece you're talking about is really around exactly that. Like we've got to deconstruct the sport. What does it really take to be successful in the 200 IM? What does it really take to be successful and win at lacrosse or basketball? And so I, it's not me telling them what it is as opposed to getting the information from them. Because there's a reason that these people are in their positions. They absolutely get it. But sometimes you can't help, but everything becomes very kind of, automate in our decisions and you're just trying to draw out of them a little bit some of the conceptual thinking around why they do what they do and just get them to break it down and realize that potentially there may be another way to do it there may be a smarter way to do it and that's kind of the idea around you deconstructing the sport now a lot of it is kind of you need to have information in place some of it's going to be an analytical piece of really understanding from a physical standpoint, what are the metrics that determine success in a sport? And some of it's going to be tactical and, again, analytic driven around, you could look at player combinations on the field, etc. From an analytical standpoint, you said trying to 
gain an understanding of the physical components of the sport. At university levels, sports have different budgets. Um, Obviously, some of the larger sports are going to have larger budgets, and then you're going to have smaller sports that may not necessarily have the same resources. So how do you deal with that from a from a high performance standpoint? Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. Like the, the resourcing piece is not what everyone seems to think at colleges. I think they they assume there's a lot of money here to go around and people have it to spend on technology. And it's really just not like that. Um, so when we're talking about trying to develop our understanding, it doesn't need to be complicated. So for example, just asking athletes to rate their perceived exertion of sessions and using that time's duration is, is going to be a simple way to gauge training load for the week, training load for sessions. That's enough of a kind of metric right now to start to understand some information around how do we train our athletes? What's the load that we put through them and how are they responding to it? And then you've got other sports where they do have the metrics like in, a, in swimming or or other events like on the track, you're going to have time and distance. So you're always going to have those type of performance metrics, which are going to give you an indicator of where an athlete's at with regards to their form, right? The other point that I want to go back to is stressors. Um, You said that you want to figure out ways that you can quantify stressors. Based on your experience, what are the largest stressors that you are trying to quantify? In this environment, a lot of it is kind of time management. So they've obviously got two jobs. They've got their job as an athlete and they've got their, their job, so to speak, as a student. Um, so those stresses come in your norm, what you'd expect with regards to relationships and the stresses of work or academia. And then you've also got the other stuff around nutrition and sleep, um, as well as the load that they get put on put on them as, a, as an athlete. So you're really trying to understand all of those. Again, there's simple ways through developing wellness questionnaires where you can start to get and infer information around what's going on in the athlete's life and how they're responding to it. And that's all this is about, right? You're just trying to get into a situation where you're removing the subjectivity from performance decisions. I just want to build an understanding about what work are they doing and how are they responding to it. And so there's some simple ways that we can absolutely do that. And right now, to be honest, like we can go out and we can we can look into technology, we can look into ways to analyze sleep or heart rate variability. We can go the route of time motion analysis, looking at GPS or other kind of technology pieces. But there are simpler ways right now, because what we want to do is we want to get people to just understand that currently having conversations based on opinions is good. But we could be better if we could quantify some of those decisions based on actual facts. From a data management perspective, you're working with 31 sports. So if let's say 31 sports are giving you RPE, so that's 800 student athletes approximately, are you the one who is following trends and analyzing that data? Or are you helping the specific team staff understand it to the point that they can do it on their own? Yeah, the second piece. So it's just not realistic to be the the central database of of kind of information and then interpretation. So therefore, it's really around just helping put in place and like I said, supporting these guys with these potentially data sheets or whatever they want to method they want to use to collect the data. So I'm helping upskill and understand and it may come to the point where, yeah, I give them an Excel sheet where these are the metrics that we agreed that you'd collect. And here's a real simple way to do it. 
And then the next step is I'm going to run through some of the simple ways that you can analyze this data in a meaningful way. So it has to absolutely be a case of trying to upskill in certain areas. And we have some very, we have a lot of very good practitioners here who are very open to all of this. Um, and so that's been a big kind of aspect of why this has been, I would say, successful so far is that they are willing to kind of be challenged and kind of and do some of this work. But yeah, the, the point would be, yeah, I kind of go and we sip the sport and I help them set up the systems, but they will run the system. And although there might be kind of work at the front end, my belief is it actually leaves less work in the long run. That makes sense. So it's a, it's almost as if the sport coaches are coming to you with individual questions that they have in mind um, that they're looking to improve upon. And then they're coming and saying, Dave, we need help with this aspect. Could you help us out? And then you give them the tools so that they can do it on their own. Yeah, in some cases. And then, the, and then there's definitely other cases where right now I want to make sure that I'll embed myself within the team a little bit more and I will take ownership of that because I want to show them the power of it. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to leave them kind of high and dry with a theory. So I'll kind of take it on myself to to collect some of that data, work with an individual a bit closer so that we can kind of turn around the data and create more buy-in. Because um, that, that's kind of a big piece is obviously you want people to buy into this. And if I spread myself too thin too early, people lose interest. And so th- again, that, that takes me back to from a strategic standpoint, it's really around improving common language around what are we really talking about when it's high performance? What are some of the non-negotiables that we might want to start putting in place? Because they're going to be the pillars of success for us. And then that piece that we're now talking around, which is player management, that's kind of a little bit further down the line, but it's an important piece. And we might start initially with that, just doing RPEs and just starting to get an understanding of the load associated with that sport and the training they do. And what I'll do is, like you then said, is I will give the template, people will collect the data, and then at some point we kind of analyze and, and look at potentially what have we found for this sport. And the key thing, again, about this whole process is it, it, it's down to you're going to establish trends, but in year one, you have to be reactive, right? You've just got to let the data collect. You've got to try and find trends. A minute with two proactive trying to change stuff we don't really know what we're going to see so the skill is collecting it and going about our normal lives almost year two is where you start to be proactive on the data so now because of the trends i've seen in year one i can actually we need to change the way that our weekly structure is we need to refocus where when we looked at our team from a conditioning standpoint and we tested them every 12 weeks we saw a decline in season okay how could we mitigate our team getting less or or kind of losing their fitness in season. Well, we might want to look at weekly structure. We might want to look at when do we try and condition or maintain certain physical qualities within our training week. So we really kind of go to different levels. So my, my role is to kind of help with those performance questions. And depending on the sport, there really are, are, are different questions that I'm dealing with. Are you at liberty to discuss the statistical analysis that you use in order to figure out trends, um, not with any specific sport, but sport in general, um, based on those uh, subjective wellness uh, responses? Yeah, I'm not, um, it's not overly complicated. So I'm a big believer in trying to find 
I wouldn't necessarily look at n equals one within a team per se. I kind of want to keep it very simple to start with, you know, year one. I want to make sure that I understand this organism of a team. How's the organism responding to the load that is generically being put in them? Because that's the, that's the main piece of information for me. And then you might get to a point where, okay, now I understand the organism. Now I'm going to look at the individual cells, those individuals themselves, and work out how I can make them a little bit better. But right now I've got to, I can't give too much work to create the, the most buy-in at first. I really have got to hit broad brush. I've got to hit everyone as best I can. So the statistical piece of kind of looking at the data is really around just trying to, like I said, you're trying to get an idea of how much work do they do and what's the impact of that work. They're the questions I want to answer. What we constantly try and do is create this linear model in our lives. We have to have everything correlate to this kind of lovely line and it just doesn't happen like that in sport there's too many other variables in place that can impact having worked with female athletes for for eight years the menstrual cycle is a big aspect that gets ignored but absolutely impacts on testing day depending on where they are within their uh, the menstrual cycle so there's so many things that when you go too kind of granular on it you potentially lose the bigger picture so I'm, I'm i'd always start you one and kind of write okay what's what's the type of work they do and how is this group responding through the season through the year um and then as i get to understand now i might start looking at individuals who are struggling in that environment you've you've worked through with a variety of sports and a variety of levels throughout your career um but this is really the first time that you're working at the ncaa division one level what are some of the greatest challenges that you have faced so far in trying to establish this high performance structure at Penn State? And I know we've maybe touched upon some of them, but if you were have to look back when you first um, started this job to where you are now, what is the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome? I think the biggest obstacle is, is perceptually what we want to achieve around kind of the high performance. So at the minute, it's a new concept. So people aren't going to want to throw all their eggs in one basket on this because they don't really necessarily buy in straight away, right? And rightly so. Some of the challenges is just the the resourcing component to it. And so because of, excuse me, because of that, you kind of have to be fairly systematic and strategic in trying to have the biggest impact because as much as we'd love to go down the road of working with an individual sport and really showing them the benefits of doing all of the things I speak about in that time frame, I've lost the buy-in of 30 other sports and now they're not going to be interested. The challenge is kind of juggling yourself across so many teams and with so many individuals in a way that you're still kind of, move in this big diesel engine in the right direction and so that's that's definitely the challenge and so because of that that's the organic piece that i always mention like this can't be a case of let's take that model and put it in place here because that just isn't going to work right now like any organization where you first come in with a new kind of project or a new concept you can assume that 30% 30% of people are in. They're just, they're in. They're those type of people. They're in. I want it. Give me that. And then you got another 30 that are kind of sat on the fence. Like, I'm going to see what happens here. 
And then you got the other 30 who are just not interested at all. And it's always the same, no, ma no matter where you go, I think. And so over time, the skill is to take the 30% that we're in and help them stay in. And then in the, in the other part of this is you're going to get those next 30. Some of them are going to start turning, right? And you slowly have to start bringing them all into the kind of the picture. Um, I, I think paranoia in our world is a huge thing. Like people don't want to feel like they're getting left behind and they'll start grabbing at stuff. The minute they see stuff work or something positive come out, they want a piece of it. And so you have to make sure that the 30 that are in, you help them get to a place where they are seeing the success because then the next 30, they will be in based on just human behavior and paranoia driving interest. From a peer time management perspective, you have said that you need to figure out a way that you can continue having the diesel engine move where you're not just focused on one or two sports and then you've all of a sudden lost the buy-in of everyone else. How have you gone about prioritizing the tasks at hand when you have so many tasks? Yeah, so there's, there's another piece of this role um, that we haven't spoke about, but the role also works with the kinesiology department, which is number one in the country, right? So we've got a huge student base of kinesiology students where the role works as a conduit. So I can kind of get kinesiology department to find interns to support some of this stuff that I'm talking about as well. So whether it is collecting RPEs, whether it is collecting some GPS data and setting up units. And do you know what I mean? There is a way to also resource the sports without a kind of financial cost. And so we will use that as a way for me to upskill interns around this particular area and get them to support the sports in whatever kind of initiatives I put in place. And that's also a kind of a nice piece about this type of situation. So there's that angle. And then there's just the ability to also understand that some sports are in season, some are out of season. So you're naturally going to start drifting towards those that that kind of might be in season, there's more of a priority around it, or those out season, because there's more of a priority around what they're trying to do in this particular phase. But also, I don't want you to think that it's 31 sports all at once, because it isn't. It might actually be three or four. And guess what? Before I arrived here, everybody was very competent at getting on with their job. It's not like they need me there every day. It's just kind of, okay, service providers meeting here. What's the discussion points? How can I facilitate or help that conversation? Um, okay, I go into this sport and I'm like, mm, maybe when we're talking about the number of injuries we've had, is there a way that we could improve or reduce the risk of, of seeing this in our program? And so you just kind of have conversations with people and often they will lead the projects. So it's not necessarily a holding hands type position as opposed to bigger picture. What could we add to that sport? And it's only ever little tweaks. It's not huge changes. Don't forget Penn State is super successful already. I just want to help us be the ones that create the wave rather than ride it and copy what everyone else is doing. So that involves kind of being strategic in what we're doing. Are we being efficient and economical in the way we spend our money or the way we resource a sport? And can we use kinesiology and others to support us in certain ways? Because we can. We also have the, the ability here where I'm going to be crowdsourcing the ability to build an app for wellness. Why would I not reach out to all these students on campus and say, right, I need someone to build for me an app, a wellness app. 
I will offer X amount of dollars to the person who builds me the best bespoke app that I can apply to any sport. All of a sudden, I don't have to spend money to go somewhere. I'll have someone develop an app that all our sports can use. So that's where this environment is unique. That's what's exciting about what we're going to do here at Penn State is it is going to be organic and we are going to work things out that's appropriate for us to still make sure that we do things well. And I guess the other point is being successful, it really isn't complicated. It's not magic bullets. It's really about the fundamentals in a program, making sure that we do stuff well, making sure that we are student focused and that we're maximizing their time here and improving their chance of being successful because we look after them. If we want to win, it's really about getting more time back to the coaches. It's about mastery of their sport. If we can't afford, if we can't do that because people are getting injured or if we can't do that because we're not giving them the best athletes, but that's a problem. So we just address it. Um, and some of that is being smarter. Some of it is technology. Some of it is resource. Um, but it's definitely around being on the same page and having a good level of integration between us all. And that's one of the, the great things about being here as well. It's like the sports and the coaches really do integrate and kind of work together and support each other. Yeah, and I and I just want to highlight something that you mentioned there, which I think gets overlooked and is at any at a university setting, you have so many resources at your disposal um, simply because you have experts in each individual field, whether they be academics or, as you mentioned, you're not only upskilling students and now giving them practical experience, but at the same time, you're from your perspective, you're doing it at no to very little financial cost and creating this high performance system at Penn State. And and don't get me wrong, like my my, my background is institute based. So it, and I, I see I do see the college as they're all mini institutes. They all have X amount of sports, the athletes are the customers, and we're providing them a service. And we have to provide a world class service. And that's where the level of accountability comes in. We need to make sure that as practitioners, people are accountable to what they deliver to the student. And so in order to do that, there needs to be framework within what they do. And so I guess that takes me to kind of the point I was talking about, like we've established what do the coaches want from this position? We then kind of took the next step of using common language to define what is high performance in our, in our mind here. And then the next bit is, right, okay, what, what are the fundamentals then? What are the key pieces that have to be in place to build our foundation so that when we do start to, because creativity is only built off foundation, right? You can't be creative if you ain't got the base to kind of do it. So what we'll find is eventually people will naturally start asking good questions and naturally start answering stuff. They'll start to find solutions to issues they'll learn from failure. And before we know it, with all this integration and sharing, because we do work in different sports, certain people, that cross-pollination and cross-tamination kind of will just expedite that learning for everyone. So it is it is definitely different, but it's also a very exciting time because we're going about this, like I said, a very unique way that's applicable for us. And there will be potential for this department, this applied health performance department to expand but what we would have been wrong to do is build a facility and then kind of go, right, can you get this to work? So what we'll do is we'll kind of expand it and we'll build the facility to fit what we're trying to do. 
And that way, again, it's part and parcel of trying to sustain the success of what we're doing. Um, so year one is performance solutions, and then year two will shape into what it needs to be until year three or four is is kind of the, the bigger high-performance initiative or center of excellence or whatever it needs to be. Dave, I really want to thank you for uh, coming on the podcast today and sharing your insight as to um, how you're trying to create a common language at Penn State and the ways that you're going about um, creating a high-performance structure there. If anybody wants to follow what you're doing or has any questions, what is the best way that they can either reach out to you or follow your work? I think the best way is probably just Twitter might be the better way. So at DK Hammy, uh, D-K-H-A-M-M-Y. And then if they have any questions, we can always kind of direct message and, and go from there. Fantastic. So I'll make sure to include your Twitter handle in the show notes. Dave, I, uh, I really appreciate it and um, have a great rest of the day. Thank you. And you. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Historic Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and you listen to it on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you either leave a review or rating. Helps other sports scientists and strength conditioning coaches discover the show. For all previous episodes, make sure to check out historicperformance.net. And that's also where we're going to find the show note. For all new episodes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Historic Perform. I'll see all of you next week.